This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID, the smart choice for MDL implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant and UL certified for all transaction modes. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AnvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Anva community. Now celebrating our 90th anniversary. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. I am here this week for one final appearance on our AnvaCast. <laughs> and I'm Farrow. nervous, and I'm nervous, and oh, I'm nervous. no need to be nervous, because <laughs> now it's the easiest of all. You're just going to talk about yourself and your journey and this momentous occasion of retirement. Oh, how funny is that? Well, what would, how would you like to proceed? Well, you know, a lot of these episodes I always ask kind of a little basic question. You've probably answered it a lot. But it's for someone that, like myself, that retirement is so far in the distant, you go, why now? What's that right moment that, you know, that old saying, well, when you know, you know. When, when and how did you know? Well, it's a great question. I think looking around to see uh, the health. We, we always are comparing, right? And how is the health of our friends, of our family, mm. of the people that we love the most? And how can we best give ourselves our best time um, in that space. And I think I did that calculus and um, realized that rather than wait till 70, which was my original thought, Mm. um, it made a great deal of sense if we could pull it off for me to retire now and get more time with my husband Mm -hmm. while he and I both still have half a brain cell left and Mm. are still on our feet, um, that I get more time with our children Uh, before they get too far afield. Of of course, they're both married and very happily settled Mm -hmm. with wonderful spouses, our our in-law kids, Grace and Scott, but it still was an opportunity to just get some time. And so it was an exciting thought to arrive at, but it is something you mull over. Like it's, 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 uh, it's a, it's an incremental kind sure. of thinking. It's an iterative decision-making it process. It is an iterative decision process. So no. some people maybe just wake up and decide, okay, I'm done. But that's Apparently you know, some do. Yeah. You know, for me, I love my work. I love this world I live in. And, uh, and, I, and I'm very excited always by what uh, the AMVA community is doing. So it's pretty energizing. I mean, I guess another thought for me, and this is a funny thing, everybody's different. And, you know, some people come in and they want to do two or three years with an organization and they're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, run and done. They can make any change they want and they're out of there before they have to account for it. (laughs) I've always felt if you're going to bring change or bring influence, you need to be there to carry it through. But there's a point in my system where my cycle says, hey, it's time for someone else to do this role. Mm -hmm. One, because there's new energy, new perspective to bring. You know, two, because maybe you're not bringing your best. You know, at seven to ten years, my clock generally says, you know what? It's time to make way for somebody else, mm. and you shift your energy into something else. So, you know, all those things came together, which is what generally happens in right. our lives. It's a lot of factors together. The difference, though, because, I mean, if you look at the the three roles in your career that you are most recognized for, being here, FMCSA Administrator, Maryland Motor Vehicle Administration Administrator, uh, were of similar tenures yeah. in all three roles. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's you have this, like you say, this internal clock. The difference, though, now is you're not transitioning to another role in the field. 
It's very true. And uh, funny enough, my time with the uh, Maryland Motor Truck Association was also a similar duration. So it is a very... Oh, see, uh, I didn't realize you were there for quite that yeah, long. Yeah, you know? oh, yeah. I don't really oh, yeah, kind was... of forget about it in the <laughs> Ann Farrow bio because I don't know that it's... Uh... Yeah, it was about six, uh, six years. It really is a, an interesting cycle for me. Yeah. Um, and, and so what I'm looking forward to is a whole different space of intellectual stimulation, physical stimulation, mm-hmm. you know, the love of my family, the community engagement, all of those, the, the love of friends. So all of that has a different kind of sensibility to it than shifting to another job, but I don't feel like I should be shifting to another job, mm-hmm. which is funny. Right. So there's something right in it for me in terms of balance. Because you're ready to use that energy, but not to get up and check email every day or right. go to the office in the proverbial sense of going to the office. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Or, or, the or getting on an airplane every week to have to be yeah. somewhere and be in another meeting. Not that it's not great to be out and among the people in the community, but it's a different type of energy to go and do that. Yeah, and speaking of energy, underlying some of it too is it's time not to be boss. Mm. You know, there's something very exciting about not being boss. It has been fun. One, of course, it's fun to see you come into this role because of our years working together, of the talent and what you have given to this organization and what you have still to give. But the other side, it's fun to see you in charge, not me. I know I've had a, we've had a few chuckles about that this month already. Um, it feels good to know that that's just not going to be my role anymore. Well, you'll, I'm sure, so, but you can't turn off leadership. I don't know that that's something you can just stop doing when it's so wired into you. You know, I know you've talked about wanting to volunteer yeah. and be involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Put know, my shoulder into stuff, not right. my leadership into stuff. More well, my we'll shoulder. see how many weeks between <laughs> being the volunteer versus organizing the volunteers and scheduling the volunteers. Well, how have I done so far this past couple of weeks? Have I kept my mouth shut pretty well? I, you know, I mean, you know, it's been, it's been a fantastic, I'm fantastic transition. But at the same time, it's very unusual for someone to uh, give notice of retirement in January that you did to be here for nine months yeah. and run hard to the end. Yeah. I mean, it's appreciated. It's welcome. It's valued. I mean, we are all the better for it, but I don't know that everybody is wired that way to run hard to the finish line. So it's funny you say that because others have said the same. What do, you, what do you mean you're going to work today? It's Friday. You're, you're retired. I said, no, I'm not retired. I work till I'm not working. Um, you know, I owe that to Anva and my colleagues and my community. But truthfully, every job I've changed, I have never been in the habit of taking time off afterwards. I have, mm. you know, the, the evening my duties with Maryland Motor Truck or the, the, the evening my duties ended with FMCSA, I was at the Delaware conference to start my wow. role with AMBA. The, you know, the moment uh, my FMCSA role was to start, I ended my time with MMTA. And same with, same with uh, yeah, I just feel like there's, you know, where I can be helpful. I so probably, you're, you're it's probably not very healthy. So you're retiring just to take a vacation. There is some of that. Yeah, every time I look at what it means to have balance in life, I think I've been such a terrible example. I doubt, I doubt that. I mean, you seem to have two very well-adjusted and awesome. healthy children that have found their way in the world. They are awesome. You're, they are awesome. You're, you have a exceptionally long marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Should, could you share, will you share that? Because I think it's an interesting sure. story. So Dan and I have been married since uh, 1989, but we have known each other since 19, golly, probably 69. 
truthfully. Mm-hmm. We have, um, I've, uh, maybe 1970, I used to go to, his sister was my best friend when we were in fifth grade. So I met, he was in sixth grade at that okay. time. So I met him at that time. We lived in the same town. This um, was in New York. In this was upstate, in New York. This, New no, York. it's actually Larchmont, New York. Okay. Right outside of New York City. Okay. It's closer um, to the kind city. of across the yeah. island from where you guys were on mm-hmm. Long Island Sound. Um, near where, this will date me, Dick Van Dyke and uh, his wife Laura lived. The okay. Petries lived in New Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> and they did the Dick Van Dyke yeah. show. Um, but that being said, yeah, Dan and I have known each other forever. We've been very good friends forever. I used to ride to school. I would walk up to his house because he had a big family. I had a small family. I'd go up to his house in the morning to make uh, orange juice and wake everybody up. They had seven gazillion kids, and we'd get everybody up, and they'd all come tumbling down. And then we'd pile in their station wagon and go to high school. Mm. Um, we were involved in sports together. He dated all of my good friends. <laughs> Before right? he had to go through all of them to yeah, find his way to yeah. you? Yeah, I left, uh, I left uh, Larchmont early and headed west and then came back east and then went overseas for a number of years. Well, let's talk Peace a little Corps. bit about yeah. the, those pieces. So yeah. you, you leave New York. You're, you're young. When you leave New 16. York, sixteen, I left 16. A home at you graduated 16. high school early. I or? did, okay. I did. In fact, it irks my sister to this day because <laughs> she and Dan were in the same class. I graduated with them because I just needed to get out of Dodge. Okay. My parents lived in New York. Um, I wanted to go to California and work in a horse barn. Mm. Um, You'd already been around horses. Yeah, in New York. I'd been working. That was how I m- did most of my earnings was uh, working in a barn till mm-hmm. from the time I was about twelve. Um, yeah, went west, worked in a barn, got homesick, came back east. Mm. By then, uh, I th- can't even imagine my parents. Oh, my parents reminded me, my father in particular, that I promised to go to college. So off mm. I went to SUNY Albany. And oh, okay. And that, in that period, my parents moved out of the country. They they left home. And my sister, brother, and I were like, now where do we go? What did they do that took them out of My out of father the was a foreign correspondent. He'd mm-hmm. been a journalist all his life uh, from the time he was in the Navy and at the end of World War II working uh, the, you know, steno machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he became a foreign correspondent for the Los Angeles Times, took over the Cairo Bureau. So the Middle East mm. was very familiar to them. They moved to Cairo, Egypt, and lived there for a good five to six years. Um, my sister and I did stints over there. I rode for the Egyptian Women's Rowing Club up and down the Nile. Mm. Um, so wow. pretty, that was one of those uh, truth, two truths and a lie question you always asked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then they went from there to take over the Rome Bureau. My father was in that um, flotilla of journalists that covered the Pope after there was an assassination attempt on, oh. uh, I want to say it was Pope John Paul, I can't remember. And uh, they lived in uh, Rome for some time, which was beautiful. And then his last stint was the Caribbean Basin, and that's when they moved to Florida. By then, of course, mm-hmm. we had my sister and brother and I had all tried to figure out where we were going to live and what we were going to do. And, mm-hmm. So, you know, just a lot of uh, love in between, a lot of independence and in, in between. I was very fortunate that our parents just had confidence in us to so do the right thing. So there's three of you. There are three of us. And even with a demanding job like being a foreign correspondent and traveling the world, you, it was still a close-knit family, it very, sounds like. Yeah, very. And all journalists but me. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah. So brother and sister, everybody yeah. else went into the business, family yeah. business, if yeah. you know. Yeah, and my brother is now retired. My sister is the chief foreign desk editor for National Public Radio, NPR, oh. and uh, just highly accomplished. She's just incredible. And she and I live two miles apart, so it's pretty awesome to get together. Do you still do that a lot? You, yeah, you know, we were just together it? for dinner last That's night. Excellent. Yeah, excellent. yeah, it's really excellent. important. So. so, but your overseas story then continues with a level of service. 
Peace Corps yeah. uh, in West Africa in Cote d'Ivoire just for a year. Then I came back thinking I would get to go to graduate school and uh, tried all the top schools, the Kennedy School, mm-hmm. the one out in uh, Texas, I can't even remember which one, and then there's another one. It's not like the Truman or the Eisenhower. There's another one that's very, um, very lofty. And I didn't get into any of them. I got into a charter, a brand new graduate program at the University of Maryland called the, you know, the School of Public Affairs. Mm. And it's a very accomplished uh, master's program now. It's, all, it's awesome because we're right there. You know, the, the whole audience is the Washington crowd. So I focused on uh, local, state, federal government in my studies. But you're, you're doing that coming back from the Peace Corps. So yeah. what, what did you learn that said, hey, I want to go into this government, public administration route, not continued foreign service, not journalism, not going back to the barns and doing whatever it was going to be there. What clicked for you in that journey that said, okay, this this is a path I think I want to follow? I'd say I discovered while, I, while in the Peace Corps that if I really wanted to pursue, at the moment, my passion of third world development, of mm-hmm. economic development in developing, in the developing world, that I needed to understand our system better. Mm-hmm. And that's what I came out of this graduate school program with, was this recognition that I had so much to understand and work within our own system, local, state, federal, before I could bring anything of real value back to the developing world. And, you know, from there came my series of stints that all make sense in hindsight, and I had no visibility into the future when I was there at the moment. And But you always think you do. Don't you? <laughs> I did not. No, I worked in local government yeah. down in Southern Maryland. Um, got a, recruited a local ball team. Um, I mean, there's a whole funny story about that. But anyway, I, I worked in economic development down in Southern Maryland. And then I was able to secure a, a job on the second go-round with the legislative staffing branch. The, mm. the staffing branch of Maryland's legislature which in gotcha. theory was a nonpartisan staffing branch. So I staffed the Ways and Means, the, the House Ways and Means Committee and became a specialist in taxes, tax law, oh. and transportation tax law in particular. Was that the first opening to the transportation it piece was. through transportation Yeah, taxes? I mean, I had this appreciation for transportation from my time in the third world because mm-hmm. in my time also I spent some time in Sri Lanka about the time that country, uh, that the Tamil uh, um well, there was just some just terrible conflict in Sri Lanka um, at the time I was there. And just understanding, again, the opportunity that transportation gives people. But, again, mm-hmm. this is in hindsight. Sure. You know, without the mobility of trans- safe transportation, we can't get our kids to schools. Mm-hmm. We can't get to our health care. We mm-hmm. can't pursue jobs. We can't pursue the movement of goods and services that allow us to stay healthy. Yeah. It's just, it's just stunning when you're in other parts of the world and you see how stymied they are in mm. just getting from one town to the next. You, know, you can yeah. wait for days yeah. for a taxi bruce or a bus to get from one town to the next. The same, you know, the same in other parts of the world. So, you know, whether I was in Egypt or in West Africa or the opportunity to be in Sri Lanka really opened my eyes to that once I got into graduate school and then transportation. Yeah, so mobility and safe mobility became a real passion for me. It, did, it took a while for mm-hmm. things to fall into place. Well, how long did you stay there in that legislative staffing role before, you know, recognizing, you know, okay, there's now maybe this other other path? 
Seven years. Seven, there we go. <laughs> it's a real seven-year itch going on here. Yeah, always a seven-year itch. funny? Yeah, I didn't know my cycle then, but yeah. Circadian rhythms. It settles in. It just settles in. Some people are, they are. And is that is it from there that you enter the world of motor vehicle administration? You go to the MVA? It is. I yeah. used to watch um, among the among the entities that would come testify this committee yeah. or advocate for law changes would be the team from the Maryland DOT, mm-hmm. and that would include the administrators from each of the modes. It would be the MVA, the Highway Administration. Right. You know, those would be the two primaries um, because rail and transit would generally uh, be in different committees. And I got to know that team. I was so impressed with that team. Mm. So when it struck me that I had had a remarkable opportunity to be working for the Maryland General Assembly, but that I needed to understand management, I was bitching about my management. Mm. I shouldn't use that term. I apologize. It's a podcast. You have an edited, you have it's an a podcast. <laughs> We're, it's good. I think everyone listening's heard the word before. I don't think we've offended anyone. Well, I was fetching about my... <laughs> I was kvetching about my management, and I, it struck me that I needed to put my money where my mouth was and try mm-hmm. managing, not just process, which I was doing through the committee mm-hmm. work, but people. people. So I sought administrative executive branch jobs, thinking, what would that be? Okay. And um, I was able to have an interview with the Maryland administrator, and I was also able to have an interview uh, with a role over at DOT. So, you know, more along the legislative thing, more like Sean Cashin's role. Right, yeah. Um, and, and the one that would really put me out of my comfort zone would be the one with the Maryland MVA because I was interviewing for an associate administrator spot. Oh, okay. In See. fact, even when I was offered the job, I said, are you sure you want to give me this job? You know, I don't have any people management experience. Um, and I was able to, I accepted that role. And it was really that opportunity as the associate administrator for the Maryland MVA that mm-hmm. began my passion mm. for the work of the motor vehicle administration community. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I'd had a hand in, my last legislative stint was working with the MVA on their fee authority. Okay. At the time, like m- many um, MVAs around the country, fees for forms, for services, for credentials mm-hmm. were set in statute and impossible to change. Yeah. And with a significant at the time, the DOTs, again, had a general cycle to come back and raise the fuel tax. Funding was a generally four- to seven-year cycle that was typical, mm-hmm. and legislatures would compromise and come to that. That all has changed since then, but at that time, the last big funding bill, um, there was a big push to give MVA a cost recovery mandate mm-hmm. and move the fee-setting authority to regulation and out of statute. And so as legislative staff, I had a big hand in that. Sure. So I came to MVA with a really strong understanding. With that background, yeah, yeah. And, and now you're dealing with managing people. Brand new thing. Wow. And, you know, again, just as I did when I came here, I, I just, you know, probably overly aggressive, very, you know, very focused on getting it right and, you know, very hands-on. We'll call it very hands-on. <laughs> That's not a style that works all the time, and I always learn a lot through the process. And that was uh, no different when I joined the Maryland MVA. I learned a lot from a lot of people. Well, who, who are those, those people, those mentors that, you know, as you look at those different chapters of your career, you know, early MVA mentors and then in the federal service, you know, it's such an important part of career growth. Yeah, people in our lives make such a difference. They make such a difference. Some that you are aware of because you've sought their counsel mm-hmm. and others who are supporting you without your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And and in that framework, I just constantly am reminded how 
important it is to just try and do your best and volunteer and be positive um, and put your best energy into everything because you never know who's watching. So to your question, people who have influenced me, you know, from present to back or back to present, um, sort of every boss I've had, mm -hmm. from better or from worse. Sure. I mean, from the time I work, first worked in, in the barns in mm. New York, I had a boss named Leon Pitt. He was remarkable. He was a gentleman who came off the tracks, mm. probably over on uh, Long Island, and just was impeccable with what he did and what he expected of people. And he put confidence in me, you know, as a mm -hmm. young teenager, to take care of, uh, we would call it a whole aisle of horses okay. and private borders. And anyway, I learned a, a remarkable amount from him in terms of just hard work, thorough work, um, service-oriented work. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, the, this is just in the workspace, you know, and fast forward up through my time with legislative services, a gentleman named Bill Ratchford, mm -hmm. who is just a legend in his generosity in teaching, helping young people become professionals in their space. In that case, it was the Maryland General Assembly and Staffing the Ways and Means mm -hmm. Committee. Mm -hmm. And what it means to have a boss uh, stop by and see how you're doing. Mm -hmm. And with no structure at all, allow for a conversation and probing questions that allows you to grow. Mm -hmm. Just to reinforce what you and I just talked about earlier, yeah. that sense of I'm seen and my my growth matters to mm -hmm. this person who's yeah. a boss yeah. and 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 my contribution matters to this organization that that person is leading um friends like joe perino who was here missy cassidy this was part of that you mm -hmm. maryland dot team uh, big mentors yeah. marshall rickard yeah who was yeah. absolutely i mean he was the one that took the risk in hiring he was me, the administrator who brought who hired me the maryland mva and yeah. i will forever be grateful to his willingness to do that yeah. And let me uh, learn as I went along, and uh, hopefully Im improve, not 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 damage the organization. You know, I had that confidence from him. Um, why the Maryland Motor Truck Association hired me again was also, you know, they took a flyer on that one. So, and the boss that I kvetched about, you know, again, you you learn from people both what you want to be and what you don't want to be. Mm -hmm. But yes, throughout that process, absolutely. I'm grateful. I've learned from each chair that we've had. Yep. Uh, here at AMVA um, from colleagues. So, you know, it's hard to say any one person. Those are those well, just listed few. You always tell me not to list people because <laughs> I'm always going to forget somebody. You have given me that counsel for nine years no. now, Ian. Um, but it's, it's that collective experience uh, along the way of all those, different, all those different folks. And I have no doubt there's a lot of people listening that would consider you a mentor, whether you knew it or not, right? To your point, sometimes you don't know whether or not what you're doing is impacting somebody, but I have no doubt many people listening would feel that way about you. I know you don't like hearing that. I know, and I'll get weepy, <laughs> but, and I'm grateful for that opportunity. In the same vein, um, people that I have worked with side by side have been my mentors. I mean, I learn, I have learned from all of our colleagues here, from mm -hmm. you as executive team members, as from Philippe, from Wendy, from Emily, from Philip. I mean, I sure. just... Uh, from those who have left the organization. Um, I mean, I, you learn from your kids, yes. don't you? Yes, you do, <laughs> even when you don't want to. And they're very blunt about it. <laughs> Sometimes they're not as diplomatic as our colleagues might be. And we learn from watching each other. Yeah. You know, John Quo, who worked with me mm. and became Maryland Administrator, sure. Mill Chaffee, who worked with me and became Miller. 
Chrissy Neiser. I just learn along the way. It's really... Yeah. Ron Freeland was the administrator. So when I um, was the associate administrator for the MVA and Marshall Rickert left the organization, had a gubernatorial change, okay. you know, that just happens. That's, yeah. that's a political position, um, just as FMCSA administrator is a political position. And, um, and I went ahead and interviewed for the position. And I didn't get it. Mm. And when the new administrator came in, a gentleman named Ron Freeland, came on board, I thought, you know, he probably doesn't want me here. I should probably make plans. So I had started to look, and he pulled me aside within about two months, maybe a month of being there, and said, what are you doing? Are you looking for another job? I said, yeah, I feel like I probably, you probably don't want me on the team. He said, I do want you on the team. You know, those little reassurances matter. He was administrator for a year. I mean, I think within his first week, he said, he came out of transit, <laughs> rail and transit. <laughs> he said to the executive team at MBA, look, this train under my leadership is leaving the station. You get on board or you get out of here. And I think that resonated. I mean, I was on board. I was yeah, ready to run with it. But I think, you, right? it well, it excited you. me, but it also gave me caution. Maybe he doesn't want me. Maybe yeah. he would rather I miss this right. train. <laughs> <laughs> um, I stayed. I learned so much in a short period of time working for him because he, he was intense. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would say, inspect what you expect and move on. I mean, he was, he was just a phenomenal leader. And when he left the organization, I interviewed again, and I got the job. And the governor first said, when he, the governor interviewed me, he said, you know, why, why, why do I want to select you? You know, Marshall, Major Riddick, my chief of staff, everybody tells me I should have put you in this role. Why would I? Don't you, you know, you've been with the organization. You're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Mm. And, I, of course, I very quickly said, no, I'm part of the solution. So you want me in the yeah. job. But um, Which governor was that? It was Governor Glenn Denning. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, I was fired by Governor Ehrlich and brought back very quickly, which was great. But I think, um, again, I, the, to, to your mentor question, yeah. we never know the people who are going to come into our lives and influence us. And so the more we can make of each relationship yeah. in the most positive way, in that human connection, um, the richer we are for it. Yeah. And so the people that you've influenced directly and indirectly and watching you, you know, one of the themes... Uh, is the glass ceilings that you've broken that started with Maryland, uh, probably most prominently in Maryland and you know in other places. And almost almost fortunately to say that when you went to FMCSA, you were not the first yeah. female administrator, which is kind of yeah. an exciting thing to be able yes. to say. And even when you came here as CEO, not the first not the female first. CEO. Yep. Yep. Uh, nevertheless, a well-recognized ceiling breaker. I'd imagine though that's not something you set out, you don't set out to do. But looking back now, you must recognize not only what you've done, but what it's meant to women leaders of all ages, of all walks of life, to be able to look at you, whether you know it or not, touching them and inspiring them to achieve. Yeah, when I reflect on mentors and my first, you know, my first dozen are men's names when it's in the workplace. Yep. You know, I'm talking about personal mentors because my mother and my grandmother and all these women who did so much to help me kind of be whoever I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And my father's support, be, you know, be whoever you want to be. Um, you can do whatever you set your mind to kind of a thing. That's very fortunate for those of us who have that kind of foundation. Yep. But to know now that we can all look around and have female mentors who are mentoring this, these several recent generations mm -hmm. of leaders, is it's, it's such a wonderful balance. Um, we do have to 
be, I mean, I look at the opportunity for expanded minority leadership, expanded female leadership, Mm -hmm. expansion of just diversity in leadership. Mm -hmm. We all bring so much to the table. It's such a richer solution. And it doesn't happen if we're not all in the room, right? Helping each other pick who those next, who that next round of leaders is. You have to be in the room. And so wherever I've been able to do that in our space, I'm so grateful for it because others helped me do it. And as much as there's more work to be done, a lot needs to be done, at the same time, as you reflect as to where you were when you started, it's got to feel good to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer the only woman in the room. I'm, you know, and that there are more people that look different than looking the same, even with more work to be done. Yeah, it's just it it just adds to the energy yeah. of the task at hand, doesn't yeah. it? It just adds to kind of the excitement in the room yeah. because you've got such a you have a diversity of perspectives that no matter what you presume coming into the room, you do not know. Yeah. Each I mean, I just still marvel over how much I don't understand of where people are coming from. I think I might, but then there's this new richness that comes out I wouldn't have even known to ask. Yeah. It's all, it's awesome. So tell me just a little bit about the federal service, mm-hmm. particularly the um, that moment where that call comes, because those you know those of us that have been in and around that space, there is a there's a different tone. There's something that shifts when, yeah. especially at the level you're at, where you're going for a Senate confirmation, you're the Honorable Ann Farrow, it's coming from the White House, uh, and then you go back, you go, oh, I'm st- still the little girl in the stall, and now I'm sitting at this Senate panel and going to the White House for meetings. Yes, and I will say that was the clearest time in my life where the mantra, you may never walk this way again, um, ran through my head constantly. Mm. Because there's so many daunting moments, this idea of walking over to a Senate hearing and looking up at the chandeliers in those hearing rooms. And as you say, again, thinking about where am I in this space? um, it, It it could have been overwhelming, and at times it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, again, each time I thought, I may never walk this way again. I'm going to make the most of this moment. How did you know to be so present in that? Because that's something people sometimes don't appreciate till it's in the rearview mirror. I suspect it was because of prior experiences where I might get too nervous or anxious to appreciate the moment. And for some reason, this one seemed so unique to me. It was so unique to me. I mean, I could never have gotten into the federal service. Those of you who have been senior executive service levels, those who have moved into it from a career space, whether it's Georgia Steele or Annie Collins, mm-hmm. or, you know, they, as from a, John Quo from a career space, right. jumped into federal. I couldn't get, I, I am sure I wouldn't have met those qualifications. So to have the opportunity to come at it from a presidential appointee way of view and the uniqueness of a kind of, you know, Article Two of the Constitution appointee, yep. Senate confirmed. It was. Um, I just think something came over me to say, "This is so nerve-wracking. You just have to relax into this moment." I was probably doing a lot more yoga then too, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure it was good advice from friends, just saying, you know, again, do your, do your best, be your most present. Um, yeah. And so you did that for the requisite seven plus years. <laughs> 
six in that case. <laughs> 2014 to, uh, gosh, it was 2014. Well, no, it was 2009 to 2014. Yeah, yeah, early 2009 to 2010. Right. So it fits about yeah. the right time, yeah, time yeah, frame. Yeah, five, uh, five years. Five years. And then uh, in many ways, a the capstone is also a full circle moment. It truly, it truly is. And guess what? This was a second chance, too. I had applied to uh, serve in this role uh, back when Linda, when mm-hmm. Linda Lewis left. Yeah. Yeah. And um, my mother had just died. In fact, my mother died from injuries she in- suffered in a car crash. Oh, my. And, and it was a strange time. But it was a... I have always loved AMP. It was so funny. I reflect on, it was, I, I was doing some cleaning a few years back, and I've shown some of you this picture of a bag. It was a AMVA bag from a Pittsburgh, a Region 1 conference in Pittsburgh, mm. Pennsylvania. And um, I think I learned to love AMVA from the moment I started working for the Maryland MVA and had the opportunity to participate in that vehicle committee that had, like, 12 initials to it. It had dealers in it and vehicles in it and titles in it. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of initials in that in that particular <laughs> committee. I can't remember it all now. Um, so for some reason in the back of my mind that, you know, this passion for AMVA had continued. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the opportunity arose the second time, I had heard that uh, Neil was retiring. Mm-hmm. And I chose not to apply. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. for goodness sake, I was Federal yeah. Motor Carrier yeah, Safety yeah. Administrator. I felt committed to carry out yeah. my commitment to the, the Obama was in his second mm. term. Yeah. Um, I had made the commitment. Those are not easy roles to serve in, and I wanted to carry through on behalf of the administration and not jump ship before mm-hmm. the second term was over. And also I thought, you know what, AMVA probably isn't looking for someone who's a prior administrator. And then, you know, members of the, of the team called and said, you really, we really would like you to apply. So I sat down with the recruiter and I said, this job description is not what I bring to the table. Because hmm. it was a heavy IT. IT focus, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Federal, yep. contract, federal contractor focus. And I said, you'd really best go back to the search committee and see if they really want someone like mm. me. Otherwise, it just we really shouldn't go forward. So yeah. I was fortunate that, I, that I, he said, no, 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 this is they want yeah. you. So yeah. I interviewed and I was, I was so, so excited to be offered the job. I, in this federal space, so this is an interesting thing, um, in the federal space, if you are in fact considering even applying for a different position and it's an entity that you regulate or interact with, you need to recuse yourself immediately from anything relating to that. So I had already notified that I was just being interviewed for the role, Mm -hmm. whether or not I would have gotten it. I had notified the lawyers and the secretary's office and so on. And so... um, when I was actually offered the position, I, I was pretty, I was pretty struck. I was pretty struck by it. It's like you say, an, an opportunity of a lifetime, leaving an opportunity of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I said it was, um, I've really been fortunate. And as you look back now on the nine years at, yeah. at AMVA, so I guess perhaps the longest in any singular position as we put all the pieces together. Go figure, together. yeah. I was 11 years at, at uh, Maryland MVA before those were as an associate administrator. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as you look back in the nine, the nine years, though, so many successes, so many things you go, I wish I had done more. Um, well, we need a whole podcast to fill up all of it. But if there's a couple of things where you look back the nine years and go, wow, I, I could really see where we move the needle on this, whether it's something internal, external, members. I know I've got a long list of where I think you've moved the needle, but it's not... The privilege of hosting is I just have to ask the questions. I don't have to answer the questions. <laughs> I'd love to hear your list. 
I mean, I think I will couch this response uh, with a statement that that needle only moved because we worked as a team. Mm-hmm. My, of course. Our executive team, our directors, our managers, all of our employees. We, you know, if we can set a direction and we know we want to get there, we worked as a team to get there. Mm-hmm. I would say for sure um, we moved the needle on member engagement mm-hmm. and services to members. It's just profound how much excitement and enrichment is here. And I think the Leadership Academy had a big part to do with that. Mm-hmm. I think the board's um, very clear and dynamic engagement in their discussions and decisions and focus on their governance responsibility mm-hmm. to serve their colleagues across the ANVA community in their roles, right? Mm. To do what's right for the members. It's yep. this mantra, do what's, you know, the clarity around our strategic framework mm. and the putting members first, um, ensuring our organizational culture mm-hmm. is as first as our members to make sure the two align to get what we need for the community, I think has just been a big shift and a big positive shift. Yeah. And the energy behind that has been pretty darn dramatic. Um, the adoption by the board of a governing responsibility of state to state was a, a yeah. huge step forward. Yeah. And where we are today now with Texas being the 39th state in the state to state service, when in 2016 we had about five states, mm. maybe seven in the pilot program ready to launch That's with right. Wisconsin being yeah. the first. Um, I mean, that to go from 15 million records on the SPECS platform as SIDLIS, or maybe 25 because we had some smaller jurisdictions in, the, in that pilot, to now almost 200, more than 200 million records, pointers within that, on that SPECS platform in the space of nine years yeah. is. Especially in the context of when you were Maryland administrator, they were already talking about why can't we do SIDLIS for everybody? Why can't we have this thing? And then all this time elapses, and then this explosion of growth in the last nine years. Right, yeah. Um, The shift as an organization to be remote Mm. is remarkable. I would never, I remember attending IRP meetings and watching and talking to Tim about the fact, you know, you have a smaller organization, probably, right. you know, f- eight to 12 employees, and they were fully, they were all over the country. And I thought, wow, yeah, Anva could never do that. <laughs> and to do it and do it so well with such a level of sensitivity to how do we stay connected yep. and still respect the productivity that employees continue to achieve in a remote workplace with a better balance in personal health and, you know, again, maintaining that work-life balance, which everybody still stresses over because it was a sit at the computer too long. I think that also is a profound shift. I mean, I, I could go on and on. There, sure. there are small things. There are big things. Well, that's the, though, yeah. that, that remote status, you know, is the, the result of having lived through and managed through the pandemic and what yeah. that brought, yeah. um, which was a whole new leadership management challenge, again, Toward the, now you could say toward the end of the career. You wouldn't say it when you were in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but probably didn't expect That's to hard. see how do you manage a 200-person organization that all of a sudden now has turned on its head. Like everybody else, we certainly weren't alone. But you were alone as a CEO having to decide how we were going to chart this course. Not that we didn't all work together. but We worked together, yeah. and it was a very iterative process. I had a 
pretty, I had quite a few false starts in my memos to employees saying, we're going to come back. We're going to come <laughs> back three days a week. No, we could yeah. probably do better than that. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is iterative. And I would say overall um, in what we've achieved, um, it, the foundation has been in a, in a very, in a dynamic board yeah. who in spite of and maybe because of their significant responsibilities at home are willing to engage in this organization that the members own, but that we have the opportunity as their staff to really carry out. Yes and implement, but it's through that board's commitment um, and confidence that we're going to do this the right way for the right reasons mm-hmm. with all the information they need to make the right decisions on behalf of their colleagues. I don't know. It's really an exciting environment, all in this very behind-the-scenes space of motor vehicle administration and highway safety, right? Mm-hmm. It's very much a one-to-one relationship, each customer interaction. Um, is an important interaction, whether that's at roadside with law enforcement or at the counter or online with a DMV, but it's as unique as that person. And yet what we're doing is, you know, it's behind the scenes government, but when it works for the better and moves with with the citizens' demand for different kind of services, kind of tracking where retail is going. Yes. um, You really move the needle on what is good government. So, you know, I've come I just covered a big space there in that in that comment, but that's you know that's all kind of part of what makes this each achievement we've made with AMVA so exciting because we're driving towards that better government service through better security, better identity protection, ultimately better safety. Yeah, absolutely. So now is you turn the page, volunteering. When you talk about volunteering, tell tell me more about the. The passionate causes, the the communities that get you excited to give your time to. So you know, it's funny. I don't know yet. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm an inveterate volunteer, but in the in the past, I'd say more so like the past 25 years, it's been really hard for me to do more than you know a food bank here or a walk there or a something there. So I don't know quite what it means yet, but I have already begun kind of exploring the. There are so many wonderful opportunities in the Annapolis area, communities, kids um, that that can, you know, just you just just be another you know set of strong arms. I still have strong arms, strong legs, you know, moving food, carrying, yeah. driving kids around, whatever. Well, and speaking of that, you know, we talk about your your grown children that are out and on their own, but. You're still uh, playing a parental role these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So our biological children are well situated with their spouses in their homes, and we've had the benefit of having our godchildren very much in our lives. And uh, our goddaughter just completed her undergraduate degree and is now in a full-blown master's degree in social work wow. with the University of Maryland. It's just amazing what she has achieved and what she is achieving. And our godson is now a new driver. He's a powerful good hockey player and uh just got his learner's permit from the maryland nba i've got the rookie driver sticker on the back of my car uh he's had about two and a half weeks now driving and we've already been on the highway it's terrifying but he did (laughs) he showed me his you know everybody's report card you know grades are monitored you know this because you're a young parent i didn't know this i used to think you got paper reports but i monitor everything online now and he showed me all of his grades in this first two weeks of school and they're all A's and I had already said to him I said think about it you start every year 
with all A's. It's for you to keep it there. Mm. His whole, everything on his phone, six A's, five A's, seven A's, I can't even remember, but it was all each of his courses. So it's very exciting. Yeah, he's so wonderful. So, so yes, we are, uh, we are, we are back in our parent role so I can micromanage as much as I want. <laughs> Log in and check where those assignments but you know, are. So being a parent made me a better boss. Being a boss is making me a better parent. Mm. You know, what's the, what's the long-term goal here? If you're doing great, yeah. I don't need to weigh in on whether you're getting your homework done. If the grades right, are showing the grades. it, the behavior showing it, you're pitching in. Right. I don't have to check each individual yeah. assignment. But it's true. The beginning of the school year, even this year, my goodness, he's a junior in high school. I said, well, Xavier, I'll walk you up to the bus stop, but I'll bring ah. the dog so it doesn't look like he goes, I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. I'm fine. Yes. I know that. <laughs> 16, that's, yeah, the height of uh, declaring independence. <laughs> We're experiencing in the Grisman household very much right now. Yeah. <laughs> And hobbies. You've had some hobbies that you've wanted to spend some time I do time have some on. hobbies. I do have some. I'm, I'm, I'm learning piano, piano. I had to put a hiatus on my lessons these past two months, but I'm going to be, be resuming it um, as soon as I clean up the office because the piano is in the office. Um, had you ever played an instrument previously? When I was little, I played piano, um, and I always loved the instrument, but I really never played much since. And mm-hmm. I just, I would play on my long commute to Anva. I would play in the car banging on the steering wheel listening <laughs> listening to things that I'll never be able to play so I'm very excited about that um uh, blacksmithing is something I've talked people have heard mm-hmm. me talk about I can't wait to burn the move the metal I'll just to keep yeah. it there and see if I can't resume making some uh, my beginner blacksmith stay to play I'm still a member of the forge the Chesapeake Forge Guild um in 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 my area um and um we have an awful lot of weeds in our garden. <laughs> Doesn't matter what I do, they yeah. seem to be. They are not perennial. They are daily. <laughs> yep, yep. So I'm looking for. I've got all sorts of plans on That's keeping wonderful. that clean every day. And of course, our dog and just being able to tool around with my husband. We're really yep. Dan and I are excited about that. Just to have that time together, yeah. like you said, yeah. while you're healthy enough to make the most of it. That's I think the biggest challenge of retirement is finding that finding that fine line of. I'm done with this, but I want it to be early enough that I can enjoy the next part. Yeah, we have a great public gym that we're going to join. My brother-in-law calls it the People's Gym, and it's <laughs> awesome. It's about it's a bicycle ride away. All right. So, yep, Dan and I are going to be up at the gym, too, getting Wonderful. stronger. Well, I hope you won't be a stranger to the AMVA community in your retirement. Um, I guess you were, in all the things you've done in years of the AMVA, you, you were I don't think you were ever a region president or a chair of AMVA, so we can't get you on the stage for the U-Haul breakfast. No way. But there's got to be, maybe we'll we'll talk to U-Haul about some sort of special past, past CEO, CEO. Um, you, know, <laughs> bre- you know, if it's not breakfast, we'll say, you know, the past CEO pretzel break or something. Mm, I don't bless know. Your heart. Well, I'll just send, uh, send off with loads of hugs and love to everybody. I'm going to back out of that scene and know that everybody is enjoying their space. I'll never say never, but I'm so well, excited to watch the success from afar and and listen to the Ambacast when I'm when I'm taking my long walks. Absolutely. On those on those walks <laughs> while you're weeding. That's you know, right. yes. walking the dog. Yes. You can yes. Have have me and, and our friends in your ear. <laughs> you got it. And, and I so. just am so excited to wish you the best, oh, Ian. Thank and thank you for, I should say, introducing this Ambacast during the pandemic, this is something that is lasting in terms of bringing CEO and chief administrator conversations into folks' homes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool to be able to have a roundtable 
uh, on your daily walk, and you have enabled that through the voices that you've brought in through well, the Ambacast. So and well, like you said, you know, the, it's all about the team, right? We've got a yeah. communications team that this was their idea, this was their brainchild. Um, I get to do the easy part of talking to people, and then, you know, the producers and the team, they, they make it the wonderful product that it is. But and that young musician, Mr. Arthur, whose music plays yes, on the every, I love that. every episode. <laughs> well, thank you uh, seems to be not service to um, not only what you've given to AMVA, but it's given to me, mm. um, which is something that stepping into this role, I'll be able to carry with me uh, every day. Um, there'll be, uh, I'm sure, a lot of days where the, you know, WWAD, what would Ann do? Uh, we'll we'll contemplate that, but I'll try not to call you too much. You can call me anytime. Just yeah. know I'll be thinking about yeah. you and your success and Amba's success. Thank you. Thank you. That's the best. Thank Stay you. in touch. Even though won't be in the job, it's always always a friend, always family. <laughs> now for the tissue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you all for listening this week. As always, thanks to those producers we talked about, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone. Stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.